means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far, or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. Friday, August 28th, 2020, episode number 149. Guess what, Carter? Oh boy, what? We just raced Indianapolis, the Indy (laughs) Mile, again. It's one hell of a race weekend, dude. Like, I'm telling you. You know, you know, I was worn out. You know, I got there Thursday, went straight to the track and did the AFT show, and then we did practice and qualifying, didn't get much sleep. Then I go back to the track Saturday, Sunday, had a heck of a time getting home on, uh, you know, well, I'm sorry, the, the races were Friday and Saturday, had a heck of a time getting home Sunday. I think I slept for 12 hours just because, man, I was worn out. It was a lot of action going on. Absolutely, man. I uh, I watched from afar when I was in Tennessee this this weekend. Uh, it was fun to watch from afar. I'm telling you, man, and, and it definitely made me wish that I was there to check out that track. It looked really cool with the uh, with the fairgrounds in the background, and uh, I don't know, it looked like a fun weekend. So, what was your biggest surprise of the weekend? My biggest surprise of the weekend, hmm, Brandon Kitchen. Yeah exactly and so cool we just had him on here not too long ago yeah no super cool um he's i mean we said that that you got to watch out for him i didn't really expect him to make that ballsy move where he dove into the into the corner there and and took the lead right before the end of the race it was badass little move if you're gonna lead a lap might as well be the last one that was the only lap he led in that main event um and he got that ride that was on the vance and hines shot bike yeah. He got that last second. I heard Robbie Bobby kind of help facilitate that a little bit. Uh, man, my hat's off to him. I mean, what what a ride. Super cool story, man. Super cool to see all that happen. Uh, and I, what a hell of a way to kick off, you know, the first main event of, of the Indy weekend. And it just continued. Uh, you know, Ben Lau getting his first win. We knew that one was coming, right? He's been uh, continuously doing better and better each week and each season, right? So it was only a matter of time before he got that win, and he, he, he definitely pulled it out in Indy. I, I thought by now he would have won a few main events in yeah. the singles class. But I that agree. singles yeah. class is stacked, you it know, is. but he's been there for a minute. Uh, but he was dialed in on Saturday night. He was up there, you know, I'm, he was dialed in on Friday. Night. I'm so used to saying a Saturday night race, but he was dialed in on Friday night, was up there also on Saturday night. Um, the the man that dominated on Saturday night was the Rocket, James Rispoli, winning Absolutely. by 12.48 seconds. Insane, and dude. The bike was torn down. There was a protest. I'm not going to say who protested. Somebody oh. from Pennsylvania. Right. Somebody from Pennsylvania. I'm not going to go any, <laughs> anyway. Anyway, somebody protested. They Uh-oh. tore that bike all the way down, and it was legit. Oh, so wow. So the, the, the wind stands. Uh, but, yeah, Rispoli winning by 12 and a half seconds is just amazing. Um, I mean, you get that big of a win. Or you get that big of a lead. There, there's definitely questions, right? Uh, but I, that's crazy. I mean, he, he definitely looked like he was as comfortable as I've ever seen him. Right? He, he is another dude who's definitely due. He, with every other race, he's finished second, right? So it's only a matter of time, I think, before he uh, he definitely pulled right. out that win. And, dude, I thought and, it was fun to watch Corey pull through the pack throughout the race. Well, he started on the second row before we had the red flag. He yeah. was up to third right off the start. And I was like, all right, he's got mm-hmm. a shot. You know, keep if you can keep the leaders close and, and in sight, you got a shot. Uh, but then we had the restart, and he was back in there like eighth, and he was seventh, and he was fifth, and all of a sudden he's third. Right. And I was like, wow, he's coming. Um, so he, you know, he's not giving up, and that's what a champion does. Uh, I think I really want to talk about, though, is the singles race also on saturday night henry wiles yeah you know people had wrote him off yep saying he's too big he's too heavy he's not gonna do good on a mile absolutely um 
he goes out there and wins it by a, a half a bike length over Cole Zabala, another kid that is on his own equipment now. He's got a new sponsor. He's on the same team with, with Cameron Smith, who we had on here not too long ago. They stayed up till 3.30 in the morning, changing out the transmission on the primary bike, wow. and it pays off. He gets second place. I got a new hat from him Saturday morning on the oh, way to the track, shit. actually. Nice. I uh, got a, a CZ51 hat. So, you know, I'm, I'm happy for him. Uh, Shana gets on the podium. I had Shana picked up for both days. I just don't think she was ever comfortable on the racetrack. Yeah. Uh, and then I think we have to talk super twins. Uh, Briar showed his maturity, showed his experience. He was fast on Thursday night, the, the practice night, but he didn't show his cards. He, he wasn't top qualifier. Yeah. And you go to Friday night, he goes out there and just just watches Meese and watches Meese and yeah. watches him. And I'm sure he's looking at the clock. And then all of a sudden, it's like he jetted past him and, th- and nobody could touch him after that. Yeah. So he goes off and wins it. His first ever mile completes the flat track Grand Slam. The second night... He kind of sat back a little bit even longer because yeah. Brian Smith was there. So he sits back and he sits back. And this is what they used to do back in the day, Carter. Before you were around, back when the tires weren't as good, they'd have to sit back and they would go. I'm not saying they go three quarters throttle, but they would not push each other until that five lap to go signal is out. And then they just drop the hammer. Well, it looked like Briar just watched and watched and watched. And when it's go time, it looked like he flipped a switch, and he just walked away from those guys. It's crazy. And, yeah. And goes back-to-back wins. His 11th and 12th win of his career, completing the Flat Track Grand Slam. For you folks that don't know what that is, which everybody that listens to our podcast, I'm sure, hardcore Flat Track fans, but it's a short track, a TT, a half mile, and a mile. And I say Flat Track Grand Slam because there's a another Grand Slam that includes a road race, which very few people did that. But um, that, we don't do that anymore. I mean... I guess if you if you consider JD Beach, if he could have done it, uh, super cool to see him not just get the first win, but the second win, dude. I, that singles class is, I think, week in and week out, one of the most entertaining ones to watch. Uh, but the, the but the super twins race did deliver as well. I mean, it's it's a, uh, I think you could probably see a different winner in that singles class every event this year with the with the talent pool that that that's uh that's present in that series. I don't know, man. It's 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 definitely a fun one to watch. It is, uh, it is very exciting and uh, close racing, um, nerve-wracking. Uh, Kitchen said on the AFT show last night that he wasn't as comfortable Saturday night to get up there and mix it up with those guys and girl on Saturday night. So he felt he felt better for some reason on Friday night, but still, he, he runs up front on Saturday night as well, backed it up. He's the points leader. And, you know, Wiles. Oh, I'm, sorry. I'm sorry, Henry Wiles is the points leader. Yeah, and, and Henry, I mean, and Henry, I think he was, what, a fraction of a second the night before from sweeping the weekend. So um, Honda's looking good in the singles class, man, and uh, it'll be interesting to see how this plays out moving forward, man. We're actually going to have a battle in the singles class, which will be fun to watch. And that's the only mile for the singles riders. Uh, you know, the Twins will be on the Springfield mile next weekend, but the, that's the only mile for the singles. So it's going to come down to who can ride and, and, you know, a lot of half miles and, a couple short tracks, you know, double header short track for the FT singles next Friday night. Absolutely, man. I'm so stoked that we got one more mile in. It's, it's, I'm so glad they were able to make that happen and, and everything worked out and everybody came home safe. Always good to see from a mile race. So, uh, we got an off well, week. Hold, th- hold, hold on a second. Did you get stuck in the mud or anything? <laughs> Is there anything exciting? Cause people loved that. Uh, they got to yeah. start. 
the episode off last week with a chuckle. I did hear and see that on a couple comments, and I'm glad I could <laughs> provide some entertainment with my mud story. No, I actually uh, stayed pretty clean, stayed pretty dry, stayed in the truck pretty much all weekend because it did not stop raining. Did our uh, our flat track friend friend Noah do any good? Did he did try not. to make he, the main again? He tried. I mean, he showed up. He, he and he rode pretty well. His times are pretty decent. Um, not too far off the pace. But the talent pool, man, in this series, we talked about it before, and yeah, you just see it week in and week out. A lot of other people showed up too that that just were just a little faster, and he only missed it by a little bit. Uh, he's gonna get it, man. He's actually saying, "Screw it, I'm going to Iron Man too." So he'll be there this weekend. And what I loved about this dude is the day he drove home, like 13 to 15 hours home, next day, next morning, I see him on his Insta story. He's already back at the track kicking kicking ass and, and getting after it. So um, he's hungry for it. He's he's working his ass off, and I think he'll get it, man. It's, it's only – I think you give him a dry track, and, and we'll see some – we'll see what's – we'll see what he's got. Uh, so we'll see what's up in Ironman. Hopefully it stays dry, and we'll, we'll – could be a mutter season. Who knows? You never know. What do you got on store for us on the uh, Off the Groove podcast today? Oh, dude, I am so stoked about this one. You know, I'm like been ear to ear grin just talking about this one, setting this one up, actually executing the interview. It's been, I wanted to have this one on for a while. Leah Toklov, overseas, one of the baddest ass women in England, if not the baddest ass woman in England. So uh, I don't know a ton about her other than what you see on her social um, when she posts stuff, but uh, I'm definitely curious. I know she's got ties to, uh, the DTRA over there, who we, we've talked to uh, Anthony a couple times, and uh, I don't know, man. I think it'll be a great conversation. Uh, she's definitely a huge advocate for flat track and and teaching is uh, flat track to others as well. So it'll be a good chat, and uh, she's definitely got some personality. So let's do it. What do you think? Call her up. Call her up, man. I'm excited. Hello, Leah Toklove. How's it going? All right. It is good. It is good. How's it going over there? Yeah, mega. Thank you. Yeah, it's just another another dreary English day. <laughs> does that happen often? Yeah, it does, especially at the moment because we've actually had quite a lot of um, warm weather, so which is unusual for us. Like it's been in the late twenty, like mid to late twenties. Oh wait, is that Celsius Fahrenheit? Oh. Oh, fuck knows. Um, I don't know, 70, 80 Fahrenheit? It's been something okay. like that. So um, and now we've got storms. A bit like Florida, maybe. That's a good way to describe it. Okay. But not as it humid. sounds like it. Okay. Yeah, hum- the humid yeah. down in Florida is terrible. Oh, man. Yeah, when I was there back in March, I forgot how bad it was. So sticky. Yeah, and, and your hair doesn't cooperate with you, and it's just a mess. Oh, man, my head doesn't cooperate at the best of times, let alone in Florida. But, yeah, very <laughs> unusual in the U.K. right now. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's probably going to piss it down in a moment. So I'll be watching the rain as we chat. <laughs> I got gotcha. you. So you, we're talking about hair, and I just remember seeing a picture from the, the Sideburn magazine. Your hair was doing all kinds of funky stuff. Uh, did you take that in Florida? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Uh, yeah, that magazine when I had the um, – oh, God, I had a – I had like a mohawk, didn't I? It was all different colors. Yeah. Like, yeah, yeah, that was gnarly. It took me oh. days to get that out of my hair. Like, I went to <laughs> an event after. Honestly, my hair was on end for days. It was a state. Yeah, not cool. But it was a very cool photo shoot. <laughs> it, it was really awesome. And then I like the name of the article too. Uh, Nuclea. I thought that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, the guys over at Sideburn are so creative, and uh, yeah, it was it was it was mega because that was my first. That was actually my first big um, like proper magazine article about me. So to do that and actually have like a proper shoot, like on a location, um, you know, and it all be styled out and have a proper interview. Yeah, it, it was the first of you know big things to come, I guess. And yeah, I'm stoked to it that Sideburn Sideburn did that with me. Yeah, that was, it was really cool. So uh, we wanted to have you on for a long time, and, and now I want to get to know Leah Toklov a little bit. So where were you born? Um, so I'm from a place called Lincolnshire, which is like rural England, I suppose. Kind of like, if you look at a map of the UK, um, it's like very central towards the East Coast. I'm probably half an hour or so from the sea. And, and for those that follow road racing, um, I live not far from a track called Cadwell Park, which is famous for having... A section in it which they nicknamed the mountain because like the road bikes you know they get air going over it so yeah I live okay. not far from there yeah wow did what's it like growing up there i mean you've, you've you've talked about the weather a little bit you talked about growing up by you know kind of by a racetrack but what's it like uh growing up there yeah so um lincolnshire like i said is really rural so for someone that's interested in motorcycles like it's perfect um, there's actually a wealth of talent that comes from Lincolnshire uh, with regards to motorcycling, especially like road racing. So there's mm-hmm. some, uh, some Guy Martin is from Lincolnshire, Sam and Alex Lowe's who race like in one of them does Moto2, one does World Superbikes. There's some really good like British Superbike riders from the area. Um, so, yeah, it's it's full of, full of talent. And um, I think it's because of the nature of Lincolnshire, you know, it, it's rural, probably similar to maybe, I don't know, like parts of Florida or like Alabama, somewhere in the middle of nowhere. Like it's a bit backward uh, with a lot of respect, but um, it makes great. Uh, there's a lot of opportunity to like go out into fields and just ride a motorcycle. And that's how I started. Um, like growing up, I lived like just, there's like a, just a street with a few houses on and my house backs onto farmland and my dad was really good friends with a farmer. So I had a little peewee 50 and we just used to pop bears around the farm and, yeah, kind of all went from there, really. So perfect for, for motorcycling and not much else. <laughs> well, how old were you when you first rode that, rode that PW? Um, I, think, I think I was probably about five when I first rode my PW, but my dad had, like, enduro bikes, so I just used to kind of go on, like, like they weren't really trail rides. They were just, like, little rides of him around this farm, so, you know, like loose gravel roads, grass, round a field, you know. And I think um, I was probably like five, and then I probably rode that for a few years before getting like a KLX 110, um, mm-hmm. and then kind of progressed from there. We made like a mini motocross track. Um, we, you know, just kept riding. It was more of a social thing, like with my dad, and then with like um, his friends and other people local. Kind of, it's kind of one of those sort of places where a lot of you just have like old motorbikes that you just dick around on. Okay, so when did you first race? Yeah, so racing, um, I actually didn't start racing until I was a little bit older. Um, I think my first race, I was 13 years old. And um, I my first ever race was a beach race. So I don't know if you've maybe seen on Instagram or other stuff, there's this beach that's probably about half an hour from me, and it's called Mablethorpe. And what basically what they do is the tide goes out, and then they build an oval on, on the race, on the, tr- on the sand, and... Um, it's fortnightly through winter, so um, from uh, October through to March every two weeks, and it is freezing cold, like so cold, and like it's it's ridiculous, really. Or you have to be there early because it's tidal, but you know, 
I probably did that for like seven years straight and it was my first ever race. And, you know, I owe a lot to that. And there's so many people that are like really good racers um, that actually go there. And um, that's how I got into flat track because all the real fast guys who were doing this beach racing actually raced flat track. So, um, yeah, it all started from that, really. And um, I've actually, uh, I crashed into the sea once there on my 125. That was quite funny. Ooh. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so, not ideal. It was... <laughs> Especially when it's cold out. No way. Um, oh, my goodness. Yeah, like the, the tide just hadn't gone out enough. We went out for practice. You know, practice, you meant to go steady, take it easy. But you know what it's like sometimes. I obviously was like, I need to ride my bike. And I just went hooning out. And I remember I just clipped like a bit of the, the sea. And before I knew it, I like high sided into the sea. And like it was like pretty bad because it was like pretty deep instantly. And my, uh, the cover for my airbox came up and I had to swim after it. And like the ambulance oh, no. like parked up and was trying to get me to get in the ambulance. But all, of, all these plastics and my bike were floating off. So I had to swim <laughs> after him. And then um, I had like no spare clothes with me. So my dad and my auntie and like my mom and that, they all had to go into like the public toilets. And um and dry off all my kit ready for the race. <laughs> it was very interesting. Wow, yeah. that's a story you will never ever forget. That's awesome. Oh my God. Um, I know. Is there is there <laughs> is there anything you could take away from from racing on the sand and on the beach to transfer into flat track? Yeah, I think there was definitely a lot I took away from it. Like I said, um, all the really good flat track race, all the really good beach racers did this thing called flat track, and that's how I got into it. Um, like Oliver Brindley, he used to go there as a kid as well. Um, that's how I met him. And then, um, yeah, um, I think definitely like the track conditions change at the beach because there's a lot of people that, you know, there's a lot of people that go and ride it. So um, in a lot of different classes. So as the day progresses, the, they kind of like cut up the sand and it goes rutty, you know, kind of like a bit of a motocross track. So um, mm -hmm. it gets pretty gnarly at times. And um, it definitely made me a lot stronger at gnarlier tracks. That was the biggest thing. Like, obviously, you know, a flat track is amazing when it's perfect, but, but how mm -hmm. often are they perfect? Hardly ever. So Correct. to be able to race in, like, more adverse conditions, you know, that was definitely something that I took away from beach racing. And, you know, when we when we go to this big track in Wales, um, it gets all cut up um, as day progresses, and you really can tell who races, like, either motocross or who goes to Mablethorpe beach racing. I got you. So speaking of motocross, do you ride anything other than flat track now? Like, do you ride any, you do any trail riding or motocross or road racing? Oh man, I'm a professional trail rider in my head. I love it. <laughs> um, you know, any opportunity I have like to head out into the countryside and, you know, go trail riding, you know, I do. Um, I love, uh, we go to Wales quite a lot, which is, you know, cause the UK is made up of, of, of England, Scotland, Wales and Northern Ireland and um well you know wales is probably a like three and a half four hour drive for me okay. the country and it's like just it's gorgeous it's just um it's like rolling hills um like beautiful scenery like like water crossings forests and we actually took johnny lewis there last year trail riding he loved it he was like That's in cool. awe of like you know the really narrow road um like he was like surprised at how technical some of the stuff was yeah he loved it he spent most of the time i think on his phone filming it because he couldn't believe it <laughs> and um <laughs> yeah we go trail riding a lot when i'm not flat tracking and as well you can do that when the weather's shitty which you know is a big deal here and um yeah, yeah i ride a bit of motocross as well but not very often more trail riding wow. these days because i have you i have my license so make the most of it that's awesome. It can, it's going to make you a, a very, you know, well-rounded rider, which I think, you know, when you, you learn how to 
ride on different surfaces will make you faster on flat track, like we've talked about a little bit before. But I, I know you're still mm-hmm. in school. You were, were in school. Are you still in school? If so, what are you studying? Yeah, so funnily enough, um, last week I actually just, well, I haven't graduated yet, but I submitted my dissertation, which I think I think you guys call like a thesis, like your final piece of like big work. Right. And um, I actually did my dissertation on flat track. <laughs> awesome. That's cool. Yeah, so yeah, I, I, do a, I did a business degree and I actually did a master's degree. So I did a four-year course and I've got a master's, well, and I will have a master's degree in business management and my my um dissertation was about um how can the how can the dirt track riders association so the dtra effectively grow um their series across europe and it just mm-hmm. took like it took like it was like had a like a business spin and focus on flat track and you know i use like examples of what aft have done over in america um you know i i, I liaised with indian motorcycle who are our series sponsor and yeah, and I managed to do it on that. And well, I don't know if I've passed yet, but I'm. I hopefully I have. Um, wow. And um, then I I gave it to Anthony, and, uh, who runs the DTRA, and hopefully he can take some of the stuff on board. But yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's so cool. We've had Anthony on here a couple times, and he speaks very high. Love you. Um, when did you first meet Anthony uh, with the DTRA? Yes. Um, so I met Anthony um, probably when I first started racing in 2013. Uh, with the DTRA, so that was the first year he he started the DTRA, and um, coincidentally that was my first year flat track race. And I don't know because I we kind of just you know sometimes with some people you just click and like everything mm-hmm. is just right. Like we you know we we had the same interest, um, the same sort of outlook on a lot of things, and you know he is just somebody that loves riding motorcycles at any given opportunity. And, like he's someone that I go trail riding with a lot. You know I have so much respect for him because well. As I'm probably going to discuss, you know, he's he's really pushed me out of my comfort zone a lot, and it's really paid off. So yeah, um, I I just guess we just got to know each other because um, I used to date George Pickering, who has Greenfield Dirt Track, and then obviously mm-hmm. Anthony um, was really close with George as well. So we we you know we all just kind of you know it just kind of all went from there really. And um, yeah, I don't know what my life would be without Anthony. We're actually riding our um, the vintage sidecar next weekend at a race. Um, so that'd be fun. I, I passenger for him. Maybe that's why he's such good friends with me because I'm the only one stupid enough to passenger for him on a side car. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a, a crazy person right there. I think they call them monkeys around here when they, when they do the sidecar stuff. And speaking of that, he told me to ask you about some sort of sidecar story. Uh, does that sound familiar? Oh, God. We're going, oh. <laughs> I know which one this is. Oh, what a bastard. Yeah. So at the start of the year, he wrote me into a ridiculous um, sidecar event. Well, it wasn't, it's not a sidecar event, but we entered the sidecar in it. And it's called the Exeter Trial. So it is one of the oldest motorcycling events in the UK. Like the club is actually called the Motorcycle Club. That's how old it is. And um, <laughs> this trial, yeah, crazy, I know. And um, this trial, we had to start it at like 7 o'clock at night in January. So it was pitch black already. And it went on until one o'clock in the afternoon the next day. So it was like Mm. overnight and like 16 or 17 hours in the end. And oh my gosh, we did like 200 miles. It was just ridiculous on this 1952 BSA B33 sidecar, Uh. which I don't even know how it survived that. But anyway, (laughs) the story was we're going through some little village at about one in the morning. And I think 
we had to go over like a speed bump. So I just went, I just moved across to grab onto Anthony's like backpack to hold on to him as we went over it. But I think we kind of hit it as I was moving to grab onto him. So with that, it unsettled me and I fell off the back of it going through the village uh. on the tarmac. And, but I hadn't <laughs> fallen off completely. I had my feet in the sidecar still and my back was dragging along it. And we had um, oh, centers on. So we were talking and he was said something to me. Then I didn't reply, which is not like me. And then he said, he's like, where the hell is Leah? He was looking around. And all you could hear then was me laughing. And I was being dragged along at like 30 miles an hour. My bike pack and my coat. So I had two ski jackets on because it was that cold. And it wore a hole right through both my ski jackets. And I was pissing myself <laughs> laughing. And, and he thought he killed me. And he was like, oh, my God. And we stopped. And we were just both in fits of laughter. But... Yeah, that's not what you want at one in the morning. I can tell you that much. <laughs> I, I can't even but stop laughing myself. <laughs> I know, but we completed the trial, and uh -huh. we we finished. There's like 15 special sections, so like 15 like little hill climbs and trails you have to do along it, and um, we cleaned all. We made up all of them apart from three. So, and it was the first time Anthony had ever finished the trial on the sidecar. So his other two passengers had failed him before, not I. So really, he doesn't want to be peeing me off, does he? No. <laughs> it sounds like he's got a new partner in crime, and I think you're going to have to do it with him again. Oh, yeah. We, it's such a shame because of all the COVID stuff. There were two more we were meant to do this year, but they've obviously been cancelled. Um, but we'll come back stronger next year, and we will get a, we're will get. we going to get at least a bronze award. So you have to get a bronze award. You have to complete it, and then you can only mess up, like, two of the sections. So that's mm -hmm. that's um, our next goal. Nice, I like it. Yeah, we, Let's talk we about love the sidecar. <laughs> it sounds like you guys really both enjoy it. Let's talk about your career a little bit in racing. Uh, you worked your way through, you know, in the DTRA from the you know the British Championship Junior class to the Adult Restricted class. Uh, what's that transition like? I mean, how hard was it to move up to that that big class? I think obviously the biggest part of it, you know, was the fact that I had gone from it's not. Like, flat track, obviously, in the UK isn't like what it is in the States, you know. I had gone from being a junior to racing probably, like, three or four other people, which is a lot mm -hmm. different nowadays. There's way more kids riding. But when I started out, you know, it was, like, me, Oliver Brindley, and another boy. So, um, you know, that was it. And then, obviously, Oliver was crazy fast already because he'd been coming over to the States. Um, and then, you know, I kind of just got used to just, like, riding around. So then to be thrust into the restricted class, which is the one below pros and one above the uh, beginners, uh, was crazy because all of a sudden there were like 30 sneak riders I was competing against to make a final. Um, you know, so for the first few races, I don't think I really made a final. Like a main, sorry, I didn't make a main. Um, so obviously you get a bit disheartened and stuff. And, you know, I think for a start, I was riding a 250 um, against like the 450s. But I don't really think on our tracks that made much of a difference. And, I think the biggest challenge for me was my confidence with like overtaking and, you know, being surrounded by other people. But, you know, once you practice and, you know, with experience, you know, you, you soon get over that. Yeah. So a little bit more on, on your background, 2015, you won the mini bike championship 2016 promoted <laughs> to the pro class in the premier British dirt track to be the only female pro competitor in the sport after placing third in 2016 restricted championship. So what's it like mm. being the only female over there racing against these guys? Yeah, that that was pretty gnarly, I guess. Um, you know, I, I think for me, um, I've never really 
thought much about being the only other girl because I'm sure you've discussed with like Sandriana and Shayna before. Um, mm-hmm. I think what's really cool about black track is that women can compete on a very equal playing field against the guys. And I think that's because, you know, the nature of the sport, um, uh, it's, you know, it's quite, there's actually quite a lot of calculation involved. And I don't know, sometimes boys are, you know, they go in balls deep as opposed to thinking it through. And I think sometimes, um, I think sometimes that's paid off for me because I'm a bit more calculated. Um, okay. But, you know, I've never really thought about it, if I'm honest. And maybe that, maybe that's, maybe that's why I've been relatively successful with regard to that. But yeah, I don't know. At the end of the day, when I put my helmet on, I just see myself as a as a racer, not a, not a man, not a woman. You know, we're, we're all racers at the end of the day. But yeah, it it, it you know, pe- it, other people ask me all the time, and you know, I get quite a lot of attention as a result of it because you know, I'm not just wobbling around at the back. You know, I'm super competitive, and you know, I'm not afraid to make some some uh, risky moves. Absolutely. 2017, you grabbed the top 10 finish in the Pro Championship. 2018, you were offered a prestigious scholarship by Indian Motorcycle, only one of four riders. So talk us through that. How did that feel to get that honor uh, from Indian Motorcycle? Oh, my goodness. So, yeah, that that was crazy because for me in my flight track career, I sometimes think about what would have happened, you know, what my what I would be or where I would be now without having done that. And again, that's something I owe to Anthony for kind of pushing me into it in some respects, because I'll be honest with you, Scotty, when I got asked if I'd like to do it, I was kind of like, fuck no, because have <laughs> you seen those bikes? Like, it uh-huh. is ridiculous. And, you know, me, I'm what? I'm five foot three. Uh, you know, I'm not very tall. I'm not very, I wouldn't say I was overly strong. You know, I go to the gym and that, but, you know, and, to, you know, like 200 kilogram bike is just ludicrous to me. And when I got asked, they're like, oh, yeah, we want you to be one of our scholarship riders. I was like, no way. And it actually took Anthony to kind of like bend my arm a little bit because just to be like, he was like, you know, just try it. You know, you don't have to do if you don't like it. Just just try the first race or, you know, have a few practices on it. And yeah, so I, I gave it a go. And I went to like this Indian like sort of like media day where we had to try the bikes out and stuff. And well, if I'm honest, the second I sat on it, I was kind of hooked because it was a huge challenge and it was one that, you know, I really wanted to, to to make the most of. And yeah, like I said, if I hadn't done it, then I don't know what I, I'm really pleased I did because I don't know um, where I'd be today without having done it. That's so cool. You scored, you scored multiple podiums in end of the season with fourth in the championship points. Uh, I have here a win in El Rolo. Was that your first win mm. on the Indian? Yeah. So in 2018, um, there's this big event in Europe in the south of France called Wheels and Waves and El Rollo is the flat track race there and it's kind of it's a bit you know it's classic hooligan it's on like a sketchy pop-up track in in like some trot in some horse field um, and obviously I went you know and it rained all day and like the track when we got there it was an absolute state but somehow like it managed to dry out for the for the afternoon's racing and um everybody from Indian was there because it's actually 2018 was the year at wheels and waves when they, um, when they launched the FTR 1200. So the road bike. Mm-hmm. So yep. everybody who was anybody from Indian was there. So, you know, all your big wigs and, um, <clears throat> you know, I don't really think anyone kind of expected much from me. And if I'm honest, I didn't expect much from myself because like I said, the track was a little bit sketchy. Um, you know, I was obviously conscious of not, you know, wanting to hurt myself or other riders. There were riders that I didn't know. There were, you know, because obviously being an international race, there was English, French, Spanish, German, Dutch. 
Um, so there's like some more competitors. And uh, yeah, I rode my Scout 60 and well, I won. And it was crazy. <laughs> and, and, you know, it's, and to win a race there, and it was literally in front of thousands of people, like it had such, like for a flat track race, especially in Europe, it attracted so many people because of the nature of the event. And um, I just remember when I got to do my, it was my first, the first time I'd ever done a checkered flag uh, victory lap as well. So that yeah. was a pretty sweet moment, doing that in front of all those people, in front of all the important people from India. And I think everyone was just like, oh, my God. Because it wasn't like it was an easy race either. There were some really good competitors. Like, Dimitri Koss was racing then. You know, he's a good rider. Um, mm-hmm. And there was a couple of, like, French guys who were really good. And, you know, I, I didn't – it wasn't like it was handed to me. And um, what was even funnier about that was uh, the um, Fred, Fast Freddie Spencer actually was presenting yeah. the trophies after. And, That's um, cool. Yes, that was awesome. So when it came to my turn to get on the podium, he was like, he he pronounced my name. And my name gets mispronounced all the time. More often my surname. But um, he was like, oh, and the winner is Lee Tokalov. And obviously when (laughs) Leah turned up, who wasn't Uh a Lee, he was like, oh, my God, wow. And then afterwards he came over to me and apologized and said, oh, I'm sorry for saying your name wrong. I thought it was a misspelling because I didn't think it would be a girl. So that was quite funny. And then again, nice. he sat in front of me on the plane home. And again, he apologized saying he was embarrassed and stuff. And I was like, oh, don't apologize. It's funny. That's <laughs> um, awesome. But yeah, so that was That's... a cool moment for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So you race your Indian motorcycle in the Hulian class and your personal K-team in the pro class. Uh, which bike do you feel more comfortable racing? Um, That's a good question. Um, I think... So now I don't race the Scout 60 anymore. I'm actually on the SNS prepped FTR 1200. Um, and there's actually only, there's only three of them in the, in the whole world. Uh, two of them are in Europe and one of them is in America. And I think if I'm honest, oh, I don't know. Because the thing is, when you ride a 450, you have, the things you have to ride them so differently. Mm-hmm. And riding my 450, it's almost like riding a mini bike when you've been riding a hooligan bike. And there's nothing worse than like riding in back-to-back mains when it's like hooligan and 450. Um, I think obviously racing flat track on a 450, you know, nothing else quite compared to the feeling of getting that just right. But then at the same time, I enjoy the challenge of riding the hooligan. And obviously like kind of taming the beast, you know, is, is always fun. But, um, yeah, the hand, you know, you can't, my, my KTM 450 is so well set up, you can't really compare the way it handles. And, you know, it's so light as well. Um, but I do love racing my hooligan bike, um, believe it or not. And any given opportunity, um, you know, I usually like to, I like to ride that over my 450. But maybe it's just because, it, you know, the right now in my career, it's more important that I do well on my hooligan bike than my 450 bike, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. Yep, sure does. Yeah, so... Racing the um, racing the SNS bike is cool, and I actually got my um, my I got two wins last year on it as well. Um, my first win on it came in in Germany, a race called Crowd Race, and then I actually won on it in the UK for the first time last year. And actually, that was the first time I'd ever raced the FTR 1200 in the UK, and it was my first ever overall hooligan win as well. Got it on the FTR cool. 1200 at um, an event called Dirtquake. Um, I yep. think you've you've had this the sideburn event, but it was one of our mm-hmm. it was part of our series. So that was awesome, and as well, I was actually um, that day I was working as one of the presenters because Dirt Quakes on television in the in the UK. So I was one of the three presenters, and then I had to race as well, and I went and won the race. So it's great for some pretty good TV. 
That's awesome. What a great story. And I, I agree with you, you know, the differences between a big bike and a little bike. I just remember if I rode my 883 Harley and I jumped onto my 600, it felt like I could just throw it around and manhandle it, you know, like it was nothing. But then yeah. the, riding riding the big twin and that power, uh, you know, there, there's, there's two different feelings, but I agree with you. It's hard to pinpoint one that you like more than the other. Yeah, because, you know, they've both got, you know, they've both got their pros and cons, like, you know, you know, as a flat track racer, there's nothing better than when you nail, you know, when you nail like the entry and the exit to the corner and riding a 450, you know, when it's set up just right and the track is primed, like there is, you could just go, you could just do lap after lap after lap. Whereas a Hooligan, because it's that much heavier and more challenging, you know, it's very rare you actually get like a complete lap that's like perfect like you do on a 450. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, it's just, I think with the Hooligan, it's just the challenge of it all that I like I more than anything. Yeah. Gotcha. Let's talk about days in the dirt uh, a little bit. What is that? Mm. Sorry, I'm just drinking a cup of tea. Um, yeah, so days in the dirt I set up um, maybe two years ago now, and it was kind of born on the back of the fact that we'd done quite a few successful um, dirt camp weekends with the Dirt Track Rides Association. So. The whole idea of it is to get more women riding motorcycles and more women racing them. And I completely appreciate that I am very lucky to have such supportive people in my life who throughout the course of it have enabled me and helped me to go and race motorcycles and have helped me work on them, uh, you know, and have just helped me to be able to do that. But I really appreciate that, you know, not everyone has that. And so the whole idea of Days on the Dirt was to kind of create an opportunity for women to take those first steps into motorcycling in like quite a safe and nice environment because I don't know what it's like in the States, but if you go on like a, like any sort of motorcycle training day here, you know, nine out of 10 people, more often than not, 10 out of 10 people there are guys. And, you know, for a lot of women, that's quite intimidating because, you know, when you're new to something, you know, there's nothing worse than the thought of someone judging you. So Days on the Dirt was kind of set up to create the opportunity for the people just to come along, ride a motorcycle, and if they like it, great, come back for some more, and then they get into racing. And you said you started not too long ago. Is it growing for you? Is it something that's going to continue to grow, you think? Yeah, so um, it's obviously, like, this year, it's kind of had to be written off, but I, we were planning on, you know, continuing to do it. And, yeah, for sure, it has grown. Like, as soon as we announce dates, like, they usually sell out straight away. And I think a good a good measure for me to see, not so much that it's growing, but that it's working, is kind of like, you know, obviously I make friends with the people that come on it and, you know, you, you stay in touch over social media. And there's nothing I love more or, like, you know it's successful when someone that just came along to one of your days on the dirt has all of a sudden gone and bought a motorbike and has then signed up to a flat track race in, like, the mini bike class or, you know, has, has gone on to go do their license. Like, it's just great to... It's just great to actually see people's progress like that. That's awesome. Um, you also help with the DTRA with some motorcycle camps. Um, how did you get involved in those, and how long have you been doing that? Yeah, so again, um, like the dirt camps we do are, are based, uh, you know, for women. Like I said, Days on the Dirt was kind of born off the back of that. And I think we did our first one in 2015 because, like, again, Anthony was keen to grow the amount of women that race within the DTRA. And um, we, you know, we set that up and it just grew year upon year. And we now host it at Greenfield and, you know, it's a weekend long event. And instead of just being flat track racing, uh, flat track based, we have flat track, motocross, we do a bit of trails, 
um, trials, um, you know, and we had some road bike demos last year from Indian Motorcycle. So, yeah, it's growing. And actually, last year, we flew Sandriana Shipman over to come and help out. Mm-hmm. So she came, uh, instructed, hung out, did a talk about her experiences racing in the U.S. And, yeah, you know, she, she, I think she had a great time. And it was her first trip across the pond as well. And, uh, you know, and, and luckily for me, you know, I've stayed in touch with her and we've become quite good friends, which That's is nice. awesome. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Are there any cool stories from these schools or these camps that stick out to you? Um, I think, you know, just like um, just the fact that these some of these women then go on to like race, um, you know, is, is something really special. And, you know, I hope that one day one of these people that I taught how to ride a bike is lining up against me for a race. You know, I just think that would be mega. And, um yeah. Yeah, I, I just love I just love seeing people getting involved, and you know, if I can share my passion with somebody, and it can you know turn into a passion that they have, then you know that's all we want really. And you know how you know how much of your life motorcycles consume, and to give to enable someone to share that share that feeling, I think is something really special. That We've had a few very... sketchy crashes as well. <laughs> <laughs> I can imagine, well, you know, first expected. time out. <laughs> of course. Yeah. Of course. The good thing is to get them back up and get on that motorcycle and, and, and go at it again. Uh, the website. Yeah. The website to follow or for more, more information on that is babesinthedirt.com. Let's talk a little bit about flat track racing in Europe. Right now, everything's kind of shut down, it sounds like, uh, as far as the Pro Series. Are there any races going on at all that you can go ride? So we've actually got next month in September, the DGRA are hosting an event in Wales in Ammon Valley. So that's like a big, like, it's like a limestone trotting track. I think it's like a hot near, we we say it's a half mile, but it's not quite half a mile, I don't think. And um, we're actually having an event there. So the race is on Saturday. Um, No, sorry, there's practice on Saturday and a race on Sunday. And then the hooligans are going to be there doing like an exhibition. So not like a proper race as such. Um, but you know, it's just at the moment, obviously everything's so like, you know, iffy. So just to be able to go somewhere and like do a bit of riding is something at the moment, I think, because Europe kind of like different parts of Europe keep like tiptoeing in and out of lockdown. So it's just kind of managing that situation, I guess, for the DTRA. Sounds like just like what's happening over here. Uh, are you been able to keep busy? busy during the, the, the COVID and stuff like that with, you know, with the lack of the events, are you guys still doing any schools like that? Or is that kind of frowned upon too? Yeah. So we kind of, we kind of decided not to do schools and stuff again, because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't want to, to clog up the NHS. So in England we have like the national health service. So I don't want to be sending people with broken arms and, you know, if anyone, if something like that happens, I just think it's, it could be seen to be a little bit irresponsible still, I think. And, I, you know, I don't want to risk that. And as well, you know, at the end of the day, we've all got our little part to play at the moment. And, you know, if we have to wait a year, we have to wait a year, you know. There's, the opportunities yep. are still going to be there next year, and it just gives you more time to plan and stuff. And, well, I've been super busy anyway during lockdown because I actually got back from my trip in America um, probably the week the UK went into lockdown, so start of, so middle of March. And um, so as I flew back, the UK went into lockdown and um, I have my university work to finish. So I've been pretty busy with that, if I'm honest. And I've only really just like finished it all. And then after that, I was busy trying to apply for like sort out getting a job as well, which I managed to do, which is good, given the current situation. Well, that's good. What kind of job did you get? So actually, pretty cool one. Um, I managed to get a job working in PR and events for Bennett's Insurance. 
So Bennett's Insurance are one of the UK's leading motorcycle insurance specialists. And I've actually got a job um, working at like the British Superbikes, so which is the equivalent to Moto America, I guess. But cool. the British Superbike series is super super popular over here. We have a lot of spectators. It has like it has like national TV coverage on like a mainstream channel. And then the, I'm working at the Isle of Man TT as well, and like oh. a classic TT and a load of other road races. So yeah, I'm, I'll be working in the PR and events for that, and like dealing with customers and sorting stuff out. So it's a really exciting job. Uh, it's motorcycle based, and yeah, I, I'm really looking forward to it. You know, it's nice That's... to actually have a job with something I'm passionate about. Yeah, exactly. I'm, I'm. I feel very lucky to be able to stay in, you know, and work in the sport of flat track. So it sounds like a, a perfect fit for you as well. And that Isle of Man, it is on my bucket list for sure. It's something I've got oh, to do. Oh, really? Oh, yes. you have to let me know when you're thinking. I'll try and hook you up with some tickets. Sounds good. It sounds like a deal. Uh, let's talk about your. You, you've made a few trips over here to the United States. Uh, the last one you said was earlier, like in March. Um, you attended the One yeah. Moto Show. Tell me about that experience. Oh my goodness. Well, I, you know, I love America. Like even before racing, I loved coming there. I used to go to Florida on holiday quite a lot as a kid. And yeah, so the one moto show has always been on my, it's been on my radar for a while now. And, um, you know, I kind of, after my trip in October, you know, I was just itching to get back for more. And, you know, it was the first round of super hooligan series and I had some time off as well. And I kind of thought, ah, screw it. I'll go do it. So then, like, this from just doing the one show kind of then spiraled into, like, a um, six-week trip and doing two <laughs> Super Hooligan races and flying over to Daytona. Yeah. Uh -huh. I, kind of have a I kind of have a tendency to get a bit out of hand with stuff. So, <laughs> it was, yeah, it was pretty cool because I flew into um, Seattle and then drove down to Portland, went to the one show, um, then from there, I flew to California, Los Angeles, stayed there for like a month and went to Vegas for the second round of the Super Hooligan Series and then flew to Daytona. So actually, because of coronavirus, I actually came top 10 in the Super Hooligan Series this year. <laughs> nice. All right. Yeah, pretty cool. <laughs> but um, so at the one show, I actually, because um, it you know, it, it was a really cool show. And for the first year, they had the racing inside the actual event in, like, the auditorium. Mm -hmm. And um, the track was, you know, it wasn't ideal. It was very small. It was a pop-up track. And it got super rutted because I don't think, like, the dirt had been there long enough. And, like, it weren't really, you know, it had a lot of moisture in it. So it was pretty gnarly. But I managed to win my heat race. I made cool. the dash for cash. I had yeah. a front row start for the main. And I finished, like ninth eighth or ninth which i was pretty pumped on because it was not what i was expecting at all so um that was riding the sns prepped ftr 1200 and mm -hmm. i was super lucky because the guys over at roland sands design um especially cameron brewer you know they really have my back when i go out and race in america and um you know cameron they they took the bike uh well sns got the bike there for me but then um Cameron took it back with RSD and just looked after it and looked after me really while I was there. So yeah, super grateful for all the great friends I've made in America when I'm racing. That is so cool. Um, are you ever planning to come over here and race a lot more? Um, yeah, I would, I would like to, for sure. Like I really want, I'd like, I obviously I enjoy doing the super hooligan stuff and you know, I'm probably not on a 450. I'm probably not really at AFT sort of standard. I wouldn't have said, well, I don't know. 
I'd make, I could like give it a go, but I don't know. I'd probably need to to sharpen up my skills a little bit more on my 450. And I've kind of taken to the hooligan thing pretty well. Um, but I would definitely like to come over and do like I love like the idea of going to like some of your amateur nationals, I think, and like going to like mm-hmm. where you have the big state fairs and doing all that sort of racing, where you do like four or five different types of races in a week. You know, like a TT. Uh, I'd like to do. I'd love to do a mile one day. That's on my bucket list for sure. Awesome. So yeah, awesome. it'd be super cool to come and do stuff like that. And who knows? Maybe I could one day make it up to um, make it up to AFT standard. <laughs> I think you got the skill for sure. I think, you know, if you focused on that 450 a little bit, like you're really focusing on that Indian, I think you'd be doing just fine. Do you do you follow the, the American Flat Track series? Do you, do you keep up with it? Yeah, I do big time. Um, so I, I usually, obviously there's the time difference, which is quite difficult, but um, I usually try and stay up and like watch some of it. And then I always watch it the next day for sure on like franchise choice or YouTube. Um, and, you know, like I said, I've, the reason I went to Daytona this year was to see the AFT race. Like I've been desperate mm-hmm. to see a proper American flat track race. So obviously like everybody else there, I was absolutely gutted when it got canceled. Like, you know, the day before cause I SNS was like so good to me. They'd hooked me up with a band and stuff. So I could go in it still. And when they said, Oh, no spectators, I was like, yes, I can still go see it. But then, <laughs> but then obviously it was like, uh-uh, no racing. But I did right. make it to Volusia um, oh, as well. I, cool. I stayed with, yeah, it was really cool. I stayed with um, Sandriana and her friend Trevor um, yep. in in their camper. So that was really fun. And I hung out. And then when we got to Daytona, I hung out with like all the SNS crew, which was great. And uh, yeah, so I was super, I was really bummed out that I didn't get to watch the AFT race. So I want to see a mile as well. I want to see an yeah. AFT mile. It, it's, it sure is fun. I think, you know, when, if you just walk up to the fence when they're going by on the front straightaway and just feel and, and see how fast they're going, it just it kind of takes your breath away and gives you goosebumps. It, it's it's something that you've got to experience for sure. Yeah, that's what everybody says. I, yeah, I'd like to go to um, – oh, the name slipped my mind. What's the inch uh, in Illinois? Springfield? Uh, yeah, that's it. I want or, to go to Springfield so bad. Yep. That's the one to go yeah. to. It's you know, there's a lot of racing on those weekends too. Usually we, we race there twice yeah. a year, your Memorial Day and Labor Day. And you can catch, you know, a short track the night before or a TT the night before. It just depends on what, what you know, which holiday you come over. But that'd be one to, where maybe you could even ride the night before the miles and then stick around yeah, and watch the that'd miles. Be that'd be awesome. Yeah. yeah I think I think I gave sure. good. I think I gave you a shout out at Volusia when you walked by the grandstands, I think if I remember yeah. right. <laughs> maybe I, yeah. was, I probably had a massive hat on it was bright red because <laughs> because i'm english i burn so easily so i remember being very sweaty and burnt at Volusia. it, 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 it is, so it is cool hot there. yeah yeah it's yeah. it is cool so tell me something that i would never guess about you oh my god something you'd never guess about me i don't know um over the motorbikes i think i'm pretty boring in a lot of respects okay. All right. Um, I like drinking beer. Yeah. All right. <laughs> and that's you... why I like California so much because I love the Mexican beer. Okay, I like that. Do you do you get nervous before a race? Um. Yeah, I get super. Yeah, I do get nervous if I'm honest. Um, my nerves are something I do struggle with. Um, I have. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I, I think it's something I need to work on. Like, you know how some people can be so focused and they can just block everything out? Sometimes mm-hmm. I let things kind of consume me a little bit too much. 
And I think sometimes that does affect my performance. And I think that um, when I was racing, um, when I when I won the race at Dirtquake, I think the reason I was able to, one of the reasons I was able to do that was because I was doing the television presenting as well. So my my attention was kind of split between racing and something else. And I think that enabled me to then, I think, I just because I had my mind off of the racing, I just kind of went out and just enjoyed it. And I wasn't mm-hmm. really like, oh, God, I need to do this. I need to do this. So I was way more, um, I was way more, yeah, I think I was way more focused because I had something else kind of distracting my nerves. That, yeah. 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 Yep, I, exactly. And I try and do stuff like positive visualization and that, but, you know, I, but usually once I set off, I'm absolutely fine. It's just a build up to it. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I do get a little bit worked up. I, I think it's rider- I guess, yeah, because you care. Yeah. Yeah, most riders, you know, say the same thing over here. The mental side of the the racing is just as important as you know how fast your bike is or how good a shape you're in. It's 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 one of the key factors. Yeah, and that's why I really like like when I get the opportunity to like talk to Johnny Lewis because he comes over to the UK quite. He usually comes once a year, and like I always enjoy a good chat with him about kind of like the mental side of it. You know, because he's someone that's pretty in tune with all that, so it's always good to hear his opinion and. Like listen to his advice, like is any like any any respected racer for sure. Yep, absolutely. Do you, do you get nervous for podcast interviews like today? Yeah, I've been sat around twiddling my thumbs all day, <laughs> waiting for this moment, <laughs> just just well, wondering how I was gonna word bomb and mess up. Well, you're doing perfect I... so far. You're doing great. <laughs> I love it. So, oh, it, man. It, it, do you listen to our podcast? Yeah, I I listen to it a lot. You know, I am. Um, Every time, so obviously the UK is not that big, but I do do a lot of driving for like racing, riding, and I, I always seem to be here, there, and everywhere like a blue ass fly. Um, so I always have, and I like to listen to podcasts because you know long drives are boring as well, aren't they? Mm-hmm. So listening to a good podcast really keeps me engaged and focused. So yeah, I often listen to. Well, I think I've listened to like all of your podcasts, if I'm honest. And I always awesome. like the like the recap you guys do after a race meeting or like the build-up as well i enjoy that right obviously i'm not in the u.s so it's, it's perfect yeah, i got gotcha. you i like it I'm, I'm glad you listen thanks for listening we appreciate it uh so you know what's yeah. next is graham Gra- graham's question and that's my grandma and she's a huge huge flat track <laughs> fan and she wants to know in your opinion why don't we see more women riders yeah i think kind of like i was discussing with the days on the dirt stuff I think the issue with the lack of women riders is kind of the lack of opportunities that some women are presented with. Um, You know, like I totally appreciate how fortunate I am to have had supportive family and friends, but not everybody gets that. And obviously because riding motorcycles is unstereotypical for, for a woman, I think Mm -hmm. that is a barrier to it, but definitely in recent years, you know, there's more events, uh, and more things that are enabling women to ride. Like I went to Babes Ride Out last year in America, which is like the biggest women's riding event. And there were some really inspiring like female racers. And like, you know, I rode out there with Jolene Van View from Nitro Circus, who also mm-hmm. races Hooligan. And she was my right. idol growing up. I have a poster of her on my wall. And then all of a sudden I was riding to Babes Ride Out with her. It was like a That's proper cool. pinch yourself moment. So that was insane. And I think like, you know, if we have, people like Jolene are more like, you know, strong female role models, you know, I think it's like really inspiring, you know, and there's all these events that women can go to and be inspired and, you know, 
and you know be helped along the way to do all these things and yeah and I, I think Shana Texter obviously does a great job of flying the flag for women in motorsport you know especially yeah. flat track you know she's she's my biggest inspiration and you know the second I started racing you know and I found out about her you know I became like low-key obsessed with her <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. She's she's amazing. And maybe one day there will be a little girl on a podcast in the future that will have a poster of you on their wall when they were growing up. Can, <laughs> what, how cool would that be? Yeah, well, that would be something really special. Yeah, super special. Well, well, Graham, Graham yeah. said she learned a whole lot about you in the issue, uh, the women's issue of the Thunder Press magazine. Yeah. I thought Joy did a fabulous job with that. Oh man, that that um, that issue was incredible. You know, I spent you know time flicking through it and reading stuff about other women, and it's really nice because a lot of these women I follow on Instagram, but obviously you don't know their story. So to be able to read through it, you know, and put like a story to a face or you know like a, like a username, it was great. And you know, there's some so many really inspiring women, and that's one of the reasons I like coming over to America so much because everything's on a much bigger scale and. You know, you've got like events like Babes Ride Out, Babes in the Dirt, really highlighting that. And, you know, there's so much talent out there. And, you know, it's just great to be a part of it. And, you know, I like to think that when I come back, you know, I, I kind of bring back a new idea of how we can grow uh, women riding within the UK as well. Yeah, I love yeah, it. Yeah, I mean, did a great job. It was a great, yeah, she she's incredible. You know, when she did the article on me, I think we talked for an hour and 15 minutes and... I swear she put everything in there and she wasn't recording it. She was just writing stuff yeah. down. And I think the way she puts things into, into print is just amazing. Yeah. She's a, she's a really good articulate journalist for sure. All right. Well, we're, we're near the end of the episode, which is time for rapid fire questions. So uh, oh, tell me no. the first thing that, yeah. <laughs> tell me the first thing that comes to mind. Are you ready? Oh no. I don't know. No. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> What's your favorite bike you've ever ridden? Um, KLX 110. Okay. The one you raced on the beach? You know, I just want to used to mess around with on the farm. I think because it's small, you feel invincible on them, don't you? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right. What's your favorite racetrack? Um, Greenfield Dirt Track in Lincolnshire. I love it. Why you run number 37? Um, absolutely no reason at all. So I was number four. <laughs> Yeah, I know. I was number four at beach racing, and then I moved up a class into the 125cc class as a kid, and then number four was taken. So then I was like, oh, 17, because my birthday is November 17th. Okay. And then they're like, oh, it's taken. Then I was like, okay, 27. They're like, oh, it's taken. Then I was like, 27. And they're like, oh, yeah, that's fine. And then it just stuck. <laughs> <laughs> I got you. I just figured you're, uh, you know, you're just a huge Bronson Bauman fan. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. <laughs> no, and it's funny you say that because I am um, Dean from SNS. Actually, they sent uh -huh. me some goodies, and in yeah. it they sent me a 37 number plate. I was like, oh wow, that's so cool. I've got my own number plate. And I realized you probably <laughs> just stole it off Bronson. <laughs> that's so yeah, cool. he's a number plate down. It's in England. Yeah. It's in England. We'll know this weekend in Indy, that's for sure. Or next weekend when we yeah. see him at the track. <laughs> so, yeah, let him know I've got his number plate. I might. I might not. I'm, I might keep it a secret. So I hear you're a big Netflix fan. What's your favorite show or what have you been watching lately? Uh, and what are, you, what are you currently obsessed with? I am a big Netflix fan. Um, I love... So one of my, I love Louis Theroux. He's like a doc. He does like weird documentaries. He's done a lot in America actually on like really quirky, crazy things. 
obviously during lockdown i was on the tiger king bandwagon like the rest of the world <laughs> that was really yeah. good uh-huh. Um, I like I like watching films as well. Watch a lot of films. Um, and I like oh I watched Narcos as well during lockdown. Never watched that before. It was great. I love programs okay. about drug dealers as well. <laughs> I got you. You know you know I'm in Oklahoma and, and the Tiger King's just or he was like 40 miles away, right? No. Yeah. Oh my god. I, I, I never saw him though, and now he's locked up. So I guess I'll never get to meet him. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Oh, it was so, that was such a great program. That was so, it was so interesting. crazy, so crazy. So, yeah, do, but... you, do you have any superstitions? Uh, yeah. So, in England, I don't know if you have them in America. You probably do. Um, magpies, like the birds, uh-huh. you have them. Yep. And I always, so we always, I always salute magpies. I don't know why, but like my mum just said, oh, you got to salute magpies. So every time I see a magpie, I salute. And like sometimes there'll be like twelve at the side of the road. I'm just like there, saluting like twelve times, kind of like I'm having a fit. <laughs> so my, I, I have to tell you this because nobody's ever told me these crazy stories like this before. But when we're driving down the road, you know, when I went racing, it was me and my dad. Yeah. You know, probably ninety percent of the time. Well, he'd see an all-white cow. He'd lick his hand <laughs> with the other fist. I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, no I'm way. stamping it for good luck. I'm stamping it for good <laughs> luck. He goes, we're gonna win tonight. <laughs> so funny. I guess I have so my own funny. little superstition. So there, I always cut go. my hair in like pigtails. Uh-huh. And um every before when I'm sat on the start line, like I think someone mentioned to me once they'd notice I do it every time. But just before like, you know, the green light goes on, probably, you know, like twenty seconds before, I always pull my pigtails either side with both hands. Like wow. pull it out. I don't yeah. know why I pull them out. I think maybe it was more just to make sure my bubble weren't gonna come out. But now I do it every time I get, every time I'm about to ride my bike, I'll pull both of my pigtails. And yeah, I guess it works because I'm still here. Yeah, just balancing yourself out. I think that's what you're doing, just balancing your head, right? So yeah. that brings up the, the, the pigtailed hooligan. That's what they call you. So who would play <laughs> Leah Toklov in the movie, The Pigtailed Hooligan? <laughs> oh, God. Someone really, I'd like, to, I'd like to think it'd be someone really cool, like Jennifer Lawrence. Like she's a bit of a badass. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, I think Jennifer Lawrence. I fancy me as a bit of Jennifer Lawrence. I like it. I like it. So if you could eat one food the rest of your life, what would it be? Oh, my gosh. Um, oh, God, I love food, so this is really hard. Um, it would probably, I know it sounds boring, just some bread. I just okay. love bread. Like, right. I just, like, toast, bread and butter, like, with really yeah. nice butter, or... I do love chicken. Or a roast I love dinner. chicken oh, too. A proper uh, English roast, a proper British roast dinner. Oh, so right. good. With the gravy, well, Yorkshire puddings. Oh, yeah, be that. <laughs> now you're making me hungry. Thanks a lot. Yeah. I'll cook you one if I, <laughs> next time I come to the U.S. All right. All right. I'm, I'm, I'm good with you're that. Um, <laughs> what's your favorite part of race day? Hmm. That's a good one. I like it when. The nice, I think when you're lining up for the main, because you've obviously, like, to make the main, you've had like, a really good day's racing, you know, you've made the main. I think, like, that is a good, like, that's kind of when my, like, emotions peak. And, like, I always think, you know, whatever I whatever I do in this main event, I've made it. I've had some really good racing today. I deserve to be here. You've earned it. Go out and enjoy it. Yeah. And then, obviously, you know, once it's all finished, you know, rolling back in, talking to, like, 
my uncle or my dad or whoever's there like helping me out you know like giving them the lowdown and then like packing up and just reflecting on it as well like I like to reflect a lot after a race and you know think about how I could do better what went well you know what wasn't so well and you know moving forward how I you know how I can make sure you know I do well next time or you know just work on it but yeah and then like hanging out like the, G- the GTRA especially has such a nice environment it's like a really nice feel to it and like proper like family sort of vibe so just hanging mm-hmm. out after the races like camping and you know having a few beers and just you know just being with everybody is always really nice because you know you can fall out with somebody on the track but then they're your best mate around the barbecue later on that's what's nice right. about dtra exactly i love it um if riders came with the warning label what would yours say <laughs> warning may fall off <laughs> <laughs> that's perfect no. perfect yeah no i don't i don't you know i have a bit of a reputation for actually being people seem to think i'm really smooth and like gary inman's written in one of the sideburns like recently about how smooth a rider i am but uh-huh. when i think about it when i was in america i think i crashed every single race the one show i went into a giant indian bollard like that's oh. not smooth but <laughs> But I, you know, when it counts, I'm smooth. You know, I like when it. I can, when I can bring my head down to that level, and you know, I'm like, come on, you need to do this. Don't push too hard, because it's when I'm like push too hard, or if I get angry or vented, then sometimes I can be a bit erratic. But sometimes I've had like my best results when you know I've I've like even messed up and there's been a restart, and I've had to like go out and ride hard. Like, um, like one of the races at the UK last year was. Um, we had like four restarts and you know like when a race restarts like so stressful isn't it as a rider because like mm-hmm. you know you've, you've you'd end up doing so many extra laps you know your bike's starting to wear you know you think oh you know i need a drink i need this i need that and you know and it's just really important to like kind of keep a level head and i think for the most part i could do that and like i i had a i i caused a restart in germany once and then you know i got you know i had to, I had to go to the back or whatever and then from there, I managed to work my way up to the front and win the race. So, you know, one, wow. sometimes, you know, when I when I jump the gun a little bit and, you know, get carried away, I, I'm I've, I've got better at bringing myself back down to like a level ground and, you know, working on it from there. I love it, I, man. I, I just love your story. I've had so much fun. I got one more rapid fire, and then we'll <laughs> talk about your sponsors here. Uh, last one we usually do is, what are you most proud of? Ah, oh, that's a nice question. Um. I think there's a few things like I'm 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 really proud of myself for the fact that you know I'm from I'm from rural Lincolnshire like you know and I've actually gone and raced my motorcycle across the world. I think that's mm-hmm. a pretty big deal and I've actually Absolutely. you know done done quite a good job of it and you know I'm I'm really proud of all the relationships I've managed to to make through riding motorcycles because cause for me you know, I love riding motorbikes, you know, whether it's on the road, off-road, you know, I just I just enjoy it so much. But I think that is made so much better by the people I've met along the way and shared this journey with because I have so many friends and sometimes I think, what the fuck would I be doing if I didn't ride motorbikes? And <laughs> I'm just so grateful for all the opportunities I've had as a result of riding them. And, um, yeah, so I, I, just think, I just think I'm most proud of the fact that I've managed to actually, you know, make a little bit of money from racing bikes and it's not even the money, it's just more it's just more what racing the motorbikes has enabled me to do. That's what I'm proud of. Does that make I sense? Love it. 
Absolutely. It makes a lot of sense. I think about it too. You know, I'm, I'm from a small town in South Dakota and I make a living going to watch motorcycle races. I mean, I'm just so lucky and so fortunate and, exactly. and it's just, it's perfect. And, and it sounds like you got a similar story, you know, but in a different way. And I'm glad you got a job in the industry and I'm glad you get to ride a motorcycle yeah. and have fun doing it. Uh, before we let you go, do you want to say thanks to anybody? Yeah. I'd like to say thanks to a lot of people, Scotty. <laughs> um, so obviously, you know, first and foremost, uh, Indian Motorcycle, just for giving me the opportunity to like kind of like chase what I thought was a pipe SNS cycle for building, you know, an amazing bike that I get to ride and just for being great people and just, you know, being a fantastic organization that are just so easy to work with and, you know, be around. You know, Alpine Stars, you know, that's crazy. Like, Who would have thought that me would go to bloody alpine stars factory in azolo and have a custom suit made nuts bell power sports you know my helmet sponsor stance socks um the bike shed um which are london based and are expanded into la later on this year those guys have been massive supporters of mine and have supported me on my last trip to america a lot um last resort knives and then roland sands design um especially cameron brewer and his partner joanna um for really you know taking me under their wing and just just letting me be part of their family and just for looking after me and making my trips, you know, so easy and so enjoyable. You know, and all the super hooligan guys and, you know, all the other people that are there just for, you know, being really accommodating and, you know, giving me somewhere to crash and just, just let me be part of it all, you know, and, you know, it's, I'm so grateful for everyone's friendship. And um, obviously I've got my family, my mum, my, my dad and my nan and my uncle, Mark, for, you know, helping me along the way. The DTRA for providing like a really great series, you know, probably the best racing series outside of North America, um, you know, and especially Anna and Anthony for all the personal support they give me. And my friend Martin Slagovsky over at SNS Cycle, um, he supported me no end and has helped me secure some really good sponsorship deals and is always there for me. And Rob Bush and Tracy, um, Rob Bush is a super hooligan racer. I basically lived at his house for a long time in California and he's just awesome. And they come over to the UK and it just, just thanks for being great people. And, um, then my really good friend, Tom Bing, who is my, who, uh, well, I say he's my photographer. He's not my photographer, but he comes <laughs> with me a lot of places and for just being an awesome guy. And, you know, we, he came on the trip with me last October and, you know, he drove the RSD van when we needed to go somewhere. And he, you know, he looked after me when I was racing and took amazing photos and, yeah, just so many people, and I love them all. Well, <laughs> Leah, I've, I've had a blast with this podcast, probably the most fun I've had on one, and I really want to say thank you for your time and waiting around to talk oh, to us, and, and I loved it. And, and uh, next time we are in the same area, we have to hook up and at least say hi to each other, yeah. all right? 100%. I think if I'm honest, Scotty, I was a little bit starstruck at Valusia. Like I wanted to come over. But at the same time, I didn't know if you'd know who I was, so I kind of just like lingered. So, I know yeah, who you. I know time. who you are. I know who you are. <laughs> I called you out on the microphone. I saw you walking down the, the in front of the grandstands. I know who you are. Yeah. I follow you on Instagram. Come on now. Yeah, I know. So next time for sure. Next time I'm in, I'm, I'm around. Uh, I'll definitely hit you up. But yeah, so thank you so much to both yourself and Carter for having me on. You know, I've always wanted to get one off the groove, and now I've done it. So I'm stoked. And awesome. yeah, I'll be hassling everyone to listen to me ramble. <laughs> I really appreciate it. Thanks a lot for coming on. We'll see you soon. Yeah, thank you so much. Take care. Bye. What did I tell you? Dude, she's she's exciting. That was fun. You know, <laughs> I mean, I have fun with all of these, 
but she was making me laugh and and uh no i really really enjoyed that one dude she's she's a blast uh next time she's over here in the states man we got to meet up and uh meet her in person man she's a she's a good time and def- definitely a great advocate for not just the dtra over there in uh in the uk uh but flat track in general man it's good to have people like that on board promoting sport i thought it was funny she said she was starstruck and she wouldn't come see me at volusia dude i'm telling man. you you're, I'm you're, nobody. You're I'm just the announcer. Deal. That's it. That's it. I'm just an announcer. I'm nobody. Don't be starstruck. I'm just the. I'm just the voice of flat track. I'm just lucky enough to have a microphone and get to talk about motorcycle it's racing. It's pretty That's cool, it. dude. It's pretty cool. Even the, this whole little podcast deal, we get to sit and talk about flat track and talk to flat track people. That's a pretty cool deal, right? Absolutely. Um. Yeah, man. That was a great one. Uh. So, what else you got going on this weekend? You don't. You have an off week. I'm home this weekend, oh, and then uh, head for Springfield, and then after Springfield, we got Williams Grove, and then we got a, a Devil's Bowl coming up after that. So it's getting ready to get busy. Yeah, uh, just excited to be back racing. It's going to seem like back to the regular schedule, back to the regular grind. So Absolutely. I'm excited about it. Uh, what do you got going on this weekend? You going motocrossing again? Iron Man up in Indy. I'm going to Indy this weekend. So um, oh wow, I'm a week behind. Are you, you. going to try to drive this one? Or are you going to fly? I'm definitely flying, man. I'm definitely not going to drive up to Indy. I've had, I've gotten my <laughs> fill a drive dude about eight nine thousand miles in, in a week and a half so uh i definitely got my my road miles in early and i'm gonna now you fly. feel like now, now you feel like a real racer yeah sure that's what i was saying it kind of feels like i uh i know what it's like i'm driving all those miles just to do something real quick then turn walk. around and come yep. home exactly so um so you haven't flown yet since the corona when i flew on american down oh to boy. volusia oh it was boy. every other seat was was full was you know empty or full however you want to look at it when i flew this last weekend to indy yeah i was on four different flights every seat was full i'm Uh-oh. like what the heck's going on and then the, t- the kicker was they said when we parked and landed at the gate you can't get up and start getting your bags yet because they don't want you too close i'm like i'm like i'm sitting two inches away from the guy beside me what's it gonna matter if i'm standing up or sitting down i've heard but that you know, from a couple they got people. all these rules yeah i've heard that from a couple people on the american front i'm going delta so hopefully it's not that bad i don't know man it is what it is we're, we're gonna go for it and uh just you know i'm just not gonna be licking any doorknobs anytime soon <laughs> Well, when would you stop doing that? A couple. You know, well, when the, all this started, you know, I had to kind of dial it back, not licking yeah. so many doorknobs these days. Yeah. But you know, you're so special. I'm, I don't know if I'll give it up forever, but you know, just, well, right. just well, dialing just it back. Road, just tell the road it goes away. Or at least you know, until it's not as prevalent. <laughs> There's always risks, oh, I guess, right? Exactly. I mean, it is what it is. I think if we're gonna get sick. Or we're gonna get sick. I don't think it's. What was it? I saw I something think... on the on the social media today that said. It, something's gonna kill you make sure it's something fun i like that there you go i like that (laughs) well keep her on four wheels hope your airplane gets up and down like it's supposed to and uh tell all your friends smash that like button give us a comment give us a give us a shoot us a message let's have some fun with this thing talk to everybody next friday later All right, we're rolling. What what are we talking about?